When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. I'm in Mumbai looking out over the city towards the sea. Adam, you are in London. It is season 15. It's episode 8. It's the weekly show in between all the other shows we have. We're in the last week of group stage dailies for the World Cup before we get into semi-finals and the final after that. We will have a story time at some point, but this this is the weekly show. This is where we will spread our wings, uh, uh, stretch our limbs, go for a canter, maybe, maybe start to fly. I don't know. Is it legs? Is it wings? It's like when you see a bird walking around and you're like, what, what are you doing? You can fly. Why are you walking places? We've got Rob Moody on the show today, a.k.a. Rob Linda 2, to talk about the cruel assassination of his YouTube channel that has brought grief to cricket fans around the world. And we've got a bunch of other things to talk about too. Hello, Adam. And uh, and uh, will we be interrupted by Winnie today? Because I heard a cameo <laughs> on the show the other day. That was nice. That was a throwback. It reminded me of the uh, the Border Gavaskar shows we were making, Jeff, the dailies, the kind of the early days dailies when we would just, I think Rach used to shoot them occasionally on video and while you and I would walk around wherever we were, which it was a good model. I used to like the sort of us strolling about being pictured wherever we were wherever we were making the daily programs. But, yeah, often Winnie would be strapped to my chest and uh, and playing with the microphone or microphones, as she went on to call them for a couple of years there. But, no, that, that was that was a, a nice touch yesterday. And um, nice that you're already tangentially referring to the Birdman Rally, whether uh, can humans fly, they can, on one day in March in the Yarra River each year. Heaps to get into, like you say. The Wasn't it a Paul Jennings story about that, about trying to build the, the, the ultimate Birdman costume? Wasn't that – it just rings a bell somewhere at the back of my mind. Yeah, I feel like that's the sort of thing I read as a kid as well. I can't quite place it though. But no, the the uh, the Rob Alinda stuff, I'm glad we're able to get into that. Like we were making the case back in, oh Christ, 2019 that he should be ordered um, an Order of Australia medal. And I still think that should happen. And this might renew our focus. I don't know where he lives exactly in Melbourne. I know he's in Melbourne, but I'd like to work out which constituency he's in. Then we can lobby the Member of Parliament who therefore can um, make the case that he should be getting an, uh, an OAM um, or who knows? Maybe maybe an AC on a, on a public podcast. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you after. Okay, right. Well, yeah, there's a decent chance I know his MP. Put it that way. I don't like. There's a fifty-fifty chance maybe. So we can have a crack and see whether we can get that all sorted out by say I don't know January twenty-six next year when we'll have one of our final word games. <laughs> um, so that's all in here. You know, Sheffield Shield bits and bobs. Uh, we've got yeah, a bit of World Cup wrap up in the middle segment. Uh, the Asia T20 World Cup qualifier for next year. That was quite a significant event in Nepal over the last seven days that wrapped up on Sunday. So a busy show as ever. Jeff, I um, was sent some good news. I say good news, like these things don't mean an awful lot because I know that the Apple algorithm is a precarious thing and uh, rewards you for making lots of podcasts as we are at the moment. But we're back at number one in the rankings or in the podcast charts for cricket in Australia. And we're up there towards the top of the most, uh, well, highest on the charts for sports pods full stop. And most of the pods ahead of us in the top 10 are, are those made in other countries about football and, and others. I think the only two Australian ones in the pecking order that are above us on that ranking scale are Mark Howard's excellent interview podcast and and Sam Newman and Don Scott. Scott's podcast, which is a whole other thing. So oh, um, we, we're going to overtake them. Um, but, uh, There's no yeah. accounting for taste, I'll tell you what. I, exactly. So, yeah, and, and it, it's just it's just a nice thing to have been sent through uh, overnight that um, it, it feels like a lot of people are listening to our daily programs and the other shows we're making right now. Dropped out the first of the 99 series yesterday, which uh, is a, is um, partly what um, what we realised during calling the shots is that there's a, a strong appetite for people listening to stuff that was in either our feed or other feeds. In the, in the case of the greatest season, it was a, a series where there would have been quite a lot of crossover, but there'll be listeners to our show that weren't familiar with that project. And it's a nice one. And we'll have um, episodes out of that through the, the pointy end of the World Cup in India right now. And, and so it goes. 
Number one also in the USA, uh, Sweden, Zimbabwe, Iceland, Belgium, <laughs> Turkey. We're, we're taking over the joint um, This is for, for cricket podcasts. Are there a lot of cricket podcasts? We've still never had a listener in Svalbard. That's that's one thing that ah. I want to fix, the, the, the island territory that's way up north of Finland. You can pull that one up on the map as a separate territory on, on the um, the diagnostic stats. The one I liked was we're number one in Anguilla, um, which is the, the home of Chesney Hughes, you know, former West Indian cricketer, not Chesney Hawks, of course, which is, you know, our story, oh. time, our story time segue to our dusty old bastards and so on. Um, I should say um, that story time with Brat was quite good fun to make last week. Had this really quite um, sombre theme about fathers and sons. I say sombre. It was quite touching. Um, and we didn't expect to be doing any of that. So Brat spoke about when he got first taken to the uh, to Mumbai to watch with his dad as a little kid and um, my stories about going to the MCG with my old man and we ha- were helped along by a couple of different clues. So if you're into that kind of thing uh, and um, you want to learn more about the fascinating tale of uh, Johnny Won't Hit Today, Douglas, and Jeff, you've done the cricket bit. I did the the Olympian bit and the tragic death bit. So we've sort of now rounded out the full JWT, Douglas. JWT? Johnny Won't Hit Today. I've got the J. J- W-H-T. J-W-H-T, uh, Douglas story from either side of World War One. So anyway, that's our history show. This is our weekly show. And Jeff, I saw something else yesterday that I thought would um, capture your attention. Uh, there was a, actually, it started with a media alert, a media alert that is something that um, you get when you are given a bit of a teaser as to what the press conference will be. And this press conference was rolling out the big guns over in Perth, Adam Gilchrist, Justin Langer, and all of the top brass from the Wacker. And the line they used in here was a media opportunity at Perth Stadium tomorrow to herald a new era for Test cricket in Western Australia. And I'm thinking, this is this is this is a pretty hefty this a, he- a pretty hefty thing to say. Heralding a new era. Yeah. Uh, what actually was it, Jeff? Yep. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to build slot machines in the slipcord. They're actually going <laughs> to. You don't need to go to the casino to go to the casino stadium anymore. You can actually just pump the one arm bandit um, at that third slip. No, this is this is um, this could go into our shit press release segment, I suppose. A new era in Western Australian cricket has arrived, with the Perth Test to be known as the West Test. Uh, see what they did there? That rhymes. And to include an exciting new in-stadium experience for fans, the West Test Hill, to be presented by NRMA Insurance. This will help showcase showcase the, the buzzword of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Mm. Western Australia to the world. To the world, Adam, through top-class sport and entertainment, fans will be called upon to hashtag fill the hill and welcome home the ICC World Test Champion Australians when they take on Pakistan from the West Test Hill to be built across four bays within Perth Stadium. So they've taken a ground that had a hill, they built a new ground that doesn't have a hill, and now they're going to build a fake hill inside the new ground to make it seem more like the old ground um, with a capacity of, I think, 500 people or something like that. So it, it was it was under 1,000 anyway. So it means that not that many people will be able to get on it, although it would probably take the entire crowd from day five of that West Indies test <laughs> last year when I doubt there were more than 500 there. Yeah, I think there was only about 15,000 there on, on days one and two as well, which is fine. I'm not getting stuck into the, the Perth crowds. I know they've never had a culture of huge attendances, so they had a smaller ground at the Wacker and they moved across the road or whatever. But the point is is that um, the plugging it the way they did only for it to really be, uh, yeah, the fake hill and a new branding opportunity with their primary sponsor. I don't think it quite, um, it, it probably didn't warrant the full Langer Gilchrist bit. You know, that, that, that yeah. was, that, that was fine. You know, they say, you know, it needn't be a meeting, uh, put it in an email. This was a put it in an email yeah. kind of thing in my view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if, if there were a launch, maybe it was more a Brad Williams, Cade Harvey kind of, <laughs> kind of gig, you know, more than a Gilchrist Langer, you know, maybe, maybe Joey Angel could have got down there. Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe that maybe that's the way it should have gone. Anyway, that is that. That is what's happening now. I think let's do this in the first segment um, because we've just had a chat to Rob Moody, aka Rob Belinda too. So let's hear what he had to say about the very strange couple of weeks he's just had. This is the final word. With Jeff Lemon and Adam Collinson, we're very pleased to have on the show for the first time, although we wish it were in better circumstances, Rob Moody, a.k.a. Rob Belinda, both one and two, and maybe potentially three coming up. Rob, welcome to the program, first of all. Well, thank you, guys. There already was a three at some point. I think they got shut down before the one and two did. <laughs> uh, it's been quite the couple of weeks for you. Um, just just walk us through what's been going on with you know the, the most watched cricket YouTube channel in the world. Well, I, I actually 
tried to not pay any attention to anything, but it just got overwhelming at some point over the last few days. But uh, it, it was actually a two-pronged attack. It was uh, some mob called LDS Sports were taking down videos, but not causing a massive issue, just uh, chucking ads on, blocking the occasional one. But then this other mob started up from Bangladesh and threatening to, you know, you have 24 hours or else sort of business. Otherwise, you must delete every Bangladesh video that's ever been on your channel. I'm like, man, I have no time to do this. (laughs) I'm just going to ignore that. (laughs) And then it happened. They actually got it shut down. So, yeah, I mean, this is just to give a bit of background here, Rob, this is not your first rodeo when it comes to uh, overly officious boards and rights holders going after you for content that often goes back 30, 40 yeah. years. How have you dealt with this in the past when you've had similar scares and why is it that um, what got described to me by a lawyer as a relatively innocuous claim has had this effect on your channel? Yeah, in the past, uh, lots of the jokers that have a go and there's, it's – it's almost word for word the same sort of email that you get. You know, I work for Google <laughs> and so does my brother and we're offended by your videos and your channel has 24 hours left unless you delete every video. I'm like, man, whatever. If, if that's going to happen, <laughs> what, what am I going to do about it? And it, it, it never ev- eventuates to anything uh, you know, fatal. But uh, when the cricket boards have come after the channel, it's usually been pretty pretty good. Like, you know, they usually identify what is the problem and what do I want to do about it. And uh, it generally works out okay. It's uh, it's the random ones which just pop up. Like this current guy just popped up like last week, like as a as a company that randomly reckons they own the rights of all these videos with Fox Sports logos in the corner grayed out. Uh. <laughs> It's, she has, and they're all they're all Bangladesh related, right? So, so it was it was this strange thing because the LDS thing. I mean, they were going after weird shit that could, couldn't have had anything to do with them, like yeah. Viv Richards batting forty years ago kind of stuff. You know, the, yeah, and, and yeah, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of videos. So obviously, they were not you know actually a, a, a an existing company. They weren't a, a, a credible actor in, in this but then the bangladesh thing seems it's it's more specific it's this mahaba sports lot or whatever they're called but they're very particularly going bangladesh test match vision which doesn't exist anywhere else and, and it's not like it can be viewed anywhere else it's not like there's yeah. a there's a pay 10 cents to watch jason gillespie's 201 which he, he would probably pay to be fair but they're not you know it's not it's not like it's cutting across anything that actually exists but but they've gone very specifically after these yeah. these particular uploads yeah, but uh, the the way that it happened is gone against all the usual, more official way that you get told. Like YouTube will send you a, an email through through the channel, it, even a pop up when you go into your channel, say we've received the complaints, blah blah blah. Here's and, what you uh, can do about it. Sort you of sort it out. Here's what you can do about it. You know, or but these guys just replied to a community comment on the page like it's it's not really official but it doesn't need to be official for someone to take down the channel all social media accounts and you know twitter instagram facebook youtube they can be shut down easily if someone really wants to do it it's just that nobody really bothers like famously that kid in america got pink's youtube channel shut down and justin bieber's channel shut down overnight (laughs) just he filed the complaints so, so it's kind of an automated thing. Uh, yeah, it is. So they, uh, especially, I probably discount Twitter now that uh, Elon's taken over and doesn't like things being shut down. But certainly, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube—they're definitely shut down first. You know, ask questions later. But it's a miracle that after 14 years, it's never been shut down once. So it's kind of crazy that uh, I've been pretty much dormant this entire year. I haven't done anything this entire calendar year. I've done nothing, not a single post. And, yeah, so it's kind of strange that uh, out of absolutely nowhere, it's gone. 
my sense has always been that administrators, certainly in Australia, um, those who I've spoken to, they value what you do because they know that it has a, a way of engaging people in the game and anything that does that is good for them. It's a net positive and so on. And I know Jeff had some um, communication with the, the, the then chair of Cricket Australia back in 2020 when you yeah. had a bit of a kerfuffle there and, and, and things were sorted out, right? Um, yeah. it, it feels like we're going through this same process again where anyone who's anyone is replying to you or quote tweeting uh, what you put up the other day about the channel closure to say this is a disgrace there has to be a way to to be found through here is it the case that channels get taken off like yours have and get reinstated is there some uh, process that could see you know the rubble into two handle return on youtube or is it that once this is gone you'd have to physically start again i'm definitely not going to start again this it'll be the third time i've started again so yeah there have been channels that get shut down but there's got to be Man, I don't really know. So, I mean, I've seen channels get shut down and then come back again, but uh, I haven't really investigated the specifics of those situations and how that could possibly apply to me. But, uh, yeah, there's enough going on over the last 24 hours to, to suggest that something might happen, but you never know. And I'm, I'm fine with it, you know. I mean, 14 years is, is a long inning, so it's okay. So do you, do you feel like in, like is it upsetting that this has happened or is it almost like a, a relief to some extent that, okay, well, if it's over, it's over and you don't have to think about running that? Like it's a huge operation all the time that you've put into it over the years. Which way does that fall at the moment? Well, just generally. I mean, whatever I'm doing on my end personally takes up enough time. So, I mean, still archiving the matches and <laughs> the current matches and still organising the actual archive itself from a personal point of view just this still takes up time so the YouTube channel itself I haven't done much this entire year so because I've just been so busy so yeah I'm at peace <laughs> it's, 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 it's fine I mean, if it comes back it's like that'd be great but if not it's uh, sure someone else will put up the videos themselves <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether they will, though. I mean, the archival work you've done is work that should have been done by others, but hasn't. I know Rhett Bartlett talks about this a lot. Yeah. There's so much stuff out there that has been lost, you know, deleted or taped over or whatever from the pre-digital era. Yeah. And you taped it all. I mean, just go back to the start. I know you've told this story in other <laughs> interviews before, but for those <laughs> listeners uh, to the final word who may not be familiar with it, how did it come to pass that you were archiving uh, well before we even knew what digital uploads were? Well, it's strange for me because it doesn't seem like anything that unusual. I mean, the, I just remember back in the early 80s when I was a kid, every every family that I knew, my mates' families, the dad got a VCR at some point, some top-loading VCR with a curly r- remote and record everything, record everything, every movie that came on TV, 40, tennis, golf, cricket, everything. The first matches I actually saw were at the end of my dad's tapes where he recorded the Blues Brothers or some John Wayne movie on Channel 9 and at 10.30 on a Sunday there'd be highlights of the one day out. And, but it would never be the full one because they're only three-hour tapes. So if the movie went for two and a half hours, there'd only be half an hour left. <laughs> 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 and so I'd, and he'd watch the same stuff over and over again and I'd see the same 30 minutes go, man, how did that match even end? I'm curious. So look, the only way to do that is if I actually tape the highlights myself. And that's how it started. We've had this conversation between me and Adam before that you should be on the payroll at Cricket Australia. You know, they should have formalised this. They should be using you as an archivist. Is that something that you would ever be interested in doing, is doing this this um, officially, or is it the fact that it is still a hobby that makes it something that you want to do? I don't really know what that looks like in terms of a real-life role <laughs> that can, as an occupation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've obviously gone a long way over the last decade of, of digitising their matches. The new Samsung thing obviously looks interesting. But it's obviously, if something ever came up, I'd obviously be curious because how much fun would that be? Well, CA have just gone into a commercial relationship a couple of weeks ago, right? What's, is it the Samsung Aussie Gold yeah, or whatever Yeah, Samsung it is? Cricket Gold. Cricket yeah. Gold. So, I mean, there is clearly a market for it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be 
working into such a what you would have thought twenty years ago is a niche area, right? But now we know that it's not because we people like us and yeah. hundreds of thousands and millions of others are also engaged with watching older games, not just live stuff. But yeah, I mean, there, there's clearly something there that, that's going on beneath the surface, right? You'd think so. I mean, but it, the other thing is there's enough of us uploading old stuff onto YouTube that you can almost find what you want at some point from, say, the 80s or 90s. But then after that, there's a huge, huge gap because they seem to really go down, come down harshly on, the on you know, 2000s sort of onwards. So that's where the massive gap is. And forget about anything from, say, 2010 onwards. I mean, I uploaded a two-second video of an Ian Bell cover drive from the SCG in January 2011, and it, it didn't even make it to get uploaded. It was blocked before it even finished processing. <laughs> two seconds. <laughs> so clearly the technology is there in place to stop those videos, and that's fine. But uh, so... The point is, is that you're left with just all the old stuff constantly in rotation because that's seemingly what's safe. So it's only a matter of time before the powers that be realise that that's actually what people want anyway. I don't want to watch the 2010, 11 Ashes again in my entire life. (laughs) 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 I don't want to watch that. Yeah, there's a fair few England supporters who don't want to watch 06, 07 either. Yeah, but say 88, 89 Australia, West Indies, watch that any day. Mm. The level of support, like it's it's been massive online in terms of how people are responding to you. Were you aware of just how much, like how important the work that you've done has been to so many people? Like I know that you know that it, it gets massive views and all the rest of it, but actually hearing from people directly talking to you about their sadness and their disappointment that this channel's gone. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it uh, yesterday afternoon. Just the, like literally the, the cliche of my phone blowing up was literally blowing up. And I, it was pretty insane. But uh, I didn't even know. Like I was driving from, from Albany in southwestern Australia up to Fremantle and I had no reception and there, was, and there was fires. I was literally driving through fire because it was like 38 degrees. And there's fires everywhere. And I was going in and at a reception. I'm getting all these weird, weird uh, notifications. I'm thinking, what is even going on? And I couldn't get onto the actual, uh, on the internet at all. Couldn't get in, in, into my channel. And I just thought the internet was not working properly because it was two bars of 3G. <laughs> when we actually got to Fremantle, I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. I think the channel's gone. And it already been known for a bunch of hours already online and I thought wow because I always used to wonder what it would be like when it ended because it's happened so many times before people like mate it's not going to die don't worry like you know this whole boy crying wolf thing every time I get to two copyright strikes but this time it was actually real it's gone I was like okay that's random but, yeah, seeing all the comments across all platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, uh, my other YouTube channel, Twitter, it's like, oh, my God, it was insane. And it's followed over all day today as well. And, look, that's that's obviously wonderful, I'm sure, and gratifying. And it sounds like you're at a pretty good place with all of this, whether it comes back or, or otherwise. But have you had a chance to take a beat and think about what the process might be from here, acknowledging that there are probably – hundreds of lawyers that would work on this pro bono for you who love cricket and want to watch, you know, Desmond Haynes facing Murphys and so on from 1988-89 who, who will not let this go. And podcasts like ours and other programs, I know you've seen the, <laughs> done a bit of media today around the, around the traps. You know, on the basis that there'll be people out there who want to do their bit, do you know what that looks like and how one goes about um, relitigating something like this and trying to um, trying to get the thing back on again if, if that's the way that you wish to go? Yeah, I, I don't really know the process. Uh, lots of people are speculating. Most people don't know because it's just such a, a, a niche problem to have, you know. But th- th- this morning I was on radio in Queensland and Ian Healy was on and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, just saying that, you know, the 161 not out against the West Indies is now gone from... It's <laughs> 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 now gone from YouTube. I thought it was pretty funny. But... Uh, yeah, it's it it it, it it's funny that uh, those sort of random innings that uh, to me are iconic, but they're not just everywhere. 
where you where you want them, and uh, it's funny that the players themselves even notice. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they don't have a way to access it anywhere else, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I told the story many times to over the last uh, couple of days that you know Dean Jones contacted me, you know, literally like two weeks before he died, asking about his twin hundreds against Pakistan at Adelaide in '89. And, you know, as soon as he emailed me, I'm like, mate, just give me five minutes. <laughs> like, oh, God, I've got you. <laughs> and I gave it to him straight away. Oh, the quickest upload I've ever done. You do see this, Daniel, a lot of cricketers who have clearly engaged with you, and that that's also helpful, I suppose, in, in where this goes from here, that so, like they all know you because you've been the person who's documented their career for them. Like, that's a lovely role you've been able to play for a lot of players over time and uh, – and maybe that's part of the solution here because having corresponded with people a lot about this across the journey, there is so much goodwill. Like there's, I don't know anyone in the game who has got a bad word to say about what you've done. Only those who have a professional interest in shutting you down or who have given you challenges and grief and copyright warnings and so on. But yeah, where you can find a way to harness, I suppose, that goodwill in the interests of keeping this thing alive. Yeah, it's not really up to, up to me, is it? I mean, someone, however, you, however, a channel gets reinstated, I have no idea. Plenty of people speculating all day about how to make it happen, but uh, ultimately, it's uh, a retraction of of the copyright and whether whether. But the the problem is the process is flawed because it's it's you know it's strike first and ask questions later, but it's very difficult on my end because you have to prove that you own the copyright. Rather than having to prove that you you own it to get it taken down, the onus is on me to prove that I own it after the fact that it's been taken down. There's got to be a person somewhere after beyond all the automation. There has to be somebody who actually works at Google who can deal with this shit. So maybe the, maybe maybe that can happen, and those dipshits who are who are claiming things that they probably don't own anyway can be push to the margins but fingers crossed on that front you know hopefully we get some better news it was it was extremely disappointing and, and deflating to to hear that it had gone so commiserations and you know hopefully it can improve at some point but for all, all the work that you've done so far thank you yeah no problem i mean uh, i was thinking earlier that it's actually more disappointing that there's videos on there that didn't mean anything to anyone but mean more to me and especially I put a lot of unlisted videos on uh, for me to access of, say, my kids when they're little because YouTube's great for storing stuff. <laughs> so I've got about a thousand more videos on there that no one's seen, that they're just unlisted, random things. Um, even videos I haven't uploaded yet publicly, I've just had them sit there for a while just because I I, I was worried I'd lose the footage or misplace it or something. And... I've I've got that I've got the video that lots of people ask me for, which I've said I, I made, which was every David Boone cut shot in international cricket. <laughs> it was on there as an unlisted video. It goes for about two and a half hours, and in in order too. So in order of every cut shot from eighty four all the way to ninety six, that sort of stuff, which is cool. Like, why wouldn't I watch that? Well, hopefully, hopefully one day you'll be able to release the full David Byrne cut short compilation. Um, Rob Moody, thanks so much for coming on The Final Word in Not A Great Week. My pleasure. Thanks to Rob Moody for joining the show and for other people, if you're listening and you need to hide your identity online from Bangladeshi sports marketing companies who are coming after you, you might need a VPN. Uh, we have been... Talking about NordVPN, we talked about them last week because Adam and I um, actually both use it. We already mm. had this product and, and already used it before they got involved with the show, which is nice that these things are actually true. Uh, it's been very, very useful travelling across India because I need to be able to watch cricket games and listen to cricket games uh, via platforms that don't necessarily want me to be able to do that, depending where I am. A VPN means that you can set your location anywhere in the world. As far as the internet knows, you can be wherever it is you want to be. So you could VPN into Svalbard and give us our first listener in Svalbard as far as the internet would know, that's what is what would be happening. And does lots of other stuff too, like protect your private data, bank details, passwords, online identity, save money on flights, hotel subscriptions by appearing to be in one place, but actually being in another. Protect your data, 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 on public Wi-Fi, threat protection from viruses, malware, phishing, and it's the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering while streaming and stops ISP bandwidth throttling. And also with this deal, you get up to six devices, all for the price of a coffee a month. Pretty reasonable, Jeff. 
And you can get a big discount because of this promotion that we've got when you get a NordVPN plan. It's nordvpn.com slash TFW. That stands for the final word. That gets you a code that gives you a discount and also gives you four months free if you get the two-year plan, if you bulk that up. No risk, 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can see if it works for you. The link is in the show notes. Check it out. Hi, I'm Brian Roddle. You're listening to The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. It is The Final Word. It's still Jeff Lemon and it's still Adam Collins. I suppose sometimes we do change between segments and have different people on and do different things and have different hosts and it's been we've we've really had a lot of other hosting going on the last couple of weeks or last um, month I suppose it is now Adam which is has been good fun to see the different variations of, of who can run the show and how they do it I, I, I like the um, on our um, Discord channel where our patrons uh, I, I was going to say live they don't live there but they do uh, correspond on there we had a, we had a <laughs> bit of a, we had our, <laughs> our, our live um, I say our live recording a few of us went to watch the football on Saturday and came to lunch at my pub before went and, and watched Cam and I record and, and so on. But I like how Jono maintains the list of who the co-hosts are. And of course it was you and me. Now it's got about 12 people who've been on there through the course of the World Cup. So it's going nicely and Cam and I've got our, our thing going on. He comes around to my place and hangs out with my daughters and really enjoys being sort of uh, part of the thicker things around here. Usually busy time of the afternoon when we're feeding Peggy dinner and Winnie's getting home from nursery and I'm ultimately editing the podcast while He's doing the video and the social media piece, having co-hosted it around here. So, yeah, it's been a nice, yeah, an unexpectedly nice thing during the World Cup, uh, doing it from here, even if I am having just a smidgen of FOMO, not too much to be fair, but a little bit of FOMO about not doing it in, in unison with you as often as would otherwise be the case. Yeah, it would have been fun to be out here, you know, to, to have the two of us trying to find some weird corner where we're allowed to shoot the video, yeah. you know, under a stairwell or something where we're not going to get yelled at. Um, Although I, I will say the, the ICC staff have been very helpful with that um, during this tournament. Great. But, yeah, it, it's it's um, I've, I've been enjoying listening to the the shows that you and Cam have been doing to catch up on the games that when I haven't been able to see all of them because I've been on travel days or um, that sort of thing. Mm. But let us now get to a little bit of uh, Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge, the game that we play with the nice people who listen to this show, the ones who decide to fund the program, and they do that by sending in contributions in a currency in a very specific number. They can choose the currency they want. They can choose the number. The number relates to cricket in some way. We have to guess what the number means. Sebastian Tarek, for instance, has sent through £3.13. So the number is 313 in any configuration we choose and it comes with a clue. Yes, Sebastian's been a correspondent on uh, social media over the years. So great to have him part of our crew. I'm an expatriate, proud New South Welshman who likes a beer and as such is partial to a drop of the beer we drink around here. I started watching cricket in the 1980s when the Barnets really were a thing to behold. Jeff. Very well, Sebastian. Um, this one, I had to do this nerd pledge in the second segment instead of the first because it's got a bit to it. Okay. This is quite an interesting diversion that we went down. So the beer that we drink around here, does that does the slogan ring a bell for you? No, it doesn't. But, I mean, suggesting he's a, an expat and he's pledging in GBP, I'll just... I would say, I would say this. I would, I would imagine a regional part of the United Kingdom where they're quite proud of their, their patch. So around here, maybe something like, I'm, I'm tipping northeast. Maybe like the Newcastle Brown Ale was called that, or that was there. You know, and thus it's a Durham thing. Am I close? New, New South Welshman, New South Welshman. Remember, so it's a Sydney beer. Oh, sorry, I thought it was like the other way around. Like where he is, it's the slogan from the beer. The drink. Okay, right. So like it's a two easting or, or, or a Reshes or something like that. It is a Reshes, Reshes spot okay. on second time around. So Reshes is the beer which is now made by Carlton and United Breweries, which is a Victorian brewery, but it's still only sold in New South Wales. It's one of these quirks where you can go to certain pubs, like kind of old man pubs in Sydney will still have a Reshes on tap. Oh, the cricketers. Um, which, I mean, it, that's got a, yeah, it's one of the joys to go to the cricketers in Surrey Hills, one of the only pubs I yeah, go to there because of where we're working relative to where we're often staying doing, doing that test match. Them having Reshes on there is a is a lovely novelty because, yeah, I kind of know that the extent of that history. It was a big rugby league thing, wasn't it, Jeff, that, that beer? I think that branding might have been wrapped up with the, the New South Wales rugby league in the 70s and 80s and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, so it's, so it's certain areas of, of Sydney, which means it has that kind of cachet, a bit like what Melbourne Bitter started to get with when yeah. hipsters started drinking Melbourne Bitter because it was authentic. So there's a bit of that with Reshers <laughs> with the kind of inner north. Now you can find it in a, in a few joints. But it, it is Reshers comes from a guy named Edmund Resch, who was a German fellow born in 1847 in Westphalia, which is sort of in Germany. It's, it's up near Netherlands, so it's like... If you're taking a penalty, it's top left corner mm-hmm. um, of Germany, if, if, you, if you're looking at Germany on a map. Uh, so he comes out to Australia in 1863 as a teenager with his brother, I think, to, to make their fortunes, potentially maybe to dodge getting drafted by the Kaiser in the army because I think teenage boys were getting called up around then and so he might have ended up in the Franco-Prussian War or something mm. in the 1870s had he been called up. And and he seems to have a, a, I don't know, a tolerance or an interest for some of the worst places in Australia because he, he's, he spends like 10 years going around tiny country towns being a miner as in like an underground one, not he, he is, I guess he's a miner when he arrives at 16 years old, but he's not a couple of years later, but he is still a miner rather than a minor. And then he realises that the way to make money out of gold rush is to sell things to people who are digging for gold, not to dig for gold. There's, I'm sure there's, there's a good quote from someone somewhere, isn't there, that like the most valuable metal in a gold rush is iron, something like that, um, you know, sell, sell things. So he opens a pub. Uh, in, in, in Charters Towers, which is inland from Townsville, which is where Andrew Simons grew up, if you can place that on your, your mental map. So he's, he's done like Victorian goldfields. He's ended up in far north Queensland. Then he buys a soft drink factory in Wilcannia, which is like way, way out west in New South Wales, you know, very remote. Remember the Wilcannia mob? The, the, that group of Indigenous kids who wrote that song called um, Down River, which it's, it's, I, I'd looked it up today. It's 20 years old this year, Down okay. River. It was a big Triple J hit. Um, I was looking at it. Was it. Like a, a, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at other... Um, <laughs> I was doing some uh, trawling through some music from an artist specifically from around our, that same era. Remember um, Totally Addicted to Bass? The woman vocalist on it was Emil. Josh Abrams. Josh Abrams, yeah. And the, the, the female vocalist was Emil, who released a, a couple of great, you know, Triple J-esque pop songs, you know, probably a couple of years later, one of which was called Obsession. I don't know why that came to mind last night, but I wanted to see how, right. how, how that charted quite well, evidently. And Love Song, which was the, uh, yeah. the other thing that did well in the Triple J's Hottest 100 that year, I'm pretty sure. So, um, wow, so, wow. It wow, was very wow, much in the, in the Madison Avenue kind of yeah, genre, yeah. wasn't it? That yeah. sort of stuff. That's it. That's it. So, so they released this sort of cute hip hop song of these kids, you know, rapping verses about swimming in the river and going fishing and stuff. And then MIA, the mm. British musician, picked it up and did a remix of it and added some of her own stuff. And that was on her. Uh, whatever the name of her breakout record was, the one with paper planes. <laughs> the one had on paper it. planes on it. Has that still- mango pickle song on that on that song on that album? I, I, yeah, that, that still gets. Yeah, you know, paper planes is still a song you hear. You know, pretty regularly. Maybe she should do a, a cover of "Totally Addicted to Bass." Come full circle. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the way to spice it up. Remix it. Get involved. So anyway, he's he's out in Wilcannia, and in 1863, so he's 36 by this point. He and his brother open a brewery in Cootamundra, so that's southeastern New South Wales near Canberra. Like this bloke really gets around. Mm. He's going absolutely everywhere. If only they had a fake hill in Perth, he would have gone out to Western Australia, but they didn't have that yet. So he um, he, he opens this brewery, and it's called the Lion Brewery, which made me wonder if it was it connected to Lion. Nathan as it later became but it's not because that's a different company called Lion Breweries that's formed in New Zealand about 100 years later in the 70s which becomes Lion Nathan which is not the same as Nathan Lion as I'm trying to connect these things to cricket which has now been brought up by Kieran the Japanese brewer anyway the brothers get sick of each other they break up the brewery our guy Edmund goes to Melbourne for a bit and then he then he starts running a brewery in Sydney he he buys it up and that's when he starts brewing under the Resch's label and Resch's beer becomes a hit and it's very popular he becomes um, somehow he's the Dutch government's consul in Sydney for some reason, even though he's not Dutch and has never been there. I mean, he's from sort of near near Netherlands, but not not actually from there. Um, but he's also the Governor General's official brewer. In 1904, he gets appointed that role. I'm not sure who the GG was at the time, but must have what a great gig. drink. And he holds that role until. Uh, can I? Yeah. Can I? Be, who's no, the governor general? Nice, I was going to say you, the governor general's. Bre- they've got a. He's got an official singer in his wife. Surely he can have an official brewer. Um, mm. We can work on this. <laughs> 
who is the who's going to be the official brewer to the governor general? Well, Lion Nathan own little creatures now, so you know that maybe maybe they could make that work. Weirdly. That gig ceases in 1914. I wonder why. Oh, World War One happens and he's German. So suddenly, like, a bunch of people in Australia don't like drinking Resch's beer anymore because it's got a German name and they get very anti-German. And despite the fact that he'd arrived in the country when he was 16 and by 1917 he's 70 years old, oh. he gets interred as an enemy alien for the last two years of the war, despite having done a bunch of fundraising for the war effort, donated lots of money and, you know, generally been... considered himself very much an Australian. But the the minister, whoever the minister was for... Um, whatever, the portfolio home minister or defence minister or something, had a, had a list of prominent German Australians that he wanted locked up and, and one of them was Edmund Resch. And he's, he's elderly and he gets sick in the internment camp. He ends up in hospital for a while. In the end, they put him in home detention through the rest of the war and he retires from working after the war and, and presumably the experience damaged him to some degree. And, and he dies in 1923, which all has what to do with 313, which is our number. 313 is the cap number of Mike Whitney. And there was a line in the clue about Barnett's mm. and Mike Whitney certainly had a Barnett on him. Probably couldn't wear a cap, actually. Probably got the the baggy green and he had such luscious curly sort of that black mane of hair that he wouldn't have been able to get that the hat on and then I was thinking well did he do a Resch's ad at some point so I was looking that up but he didn't but he did the Tui's ad which have you I have you ever seen the Mike Whitney Tui's ad do you I remember mean, I, this one if I, if I have it it was probably think, watching it on Rob Alinda's YouTube channel no I, I don't recall uh, seeing it but uh, this all yeah. stands about right um, uh, uh, you know, okay. with the era with Whitney his personality the big hair good looking fella I can see why he would have been used as a, a commercial asset by one of the beer companies. Well, I think we should listen to it right now. How do you feel when a nasty ball sees a ninth wicket fall and there's a groan from the hill? How do you feel three runs to go and they move in close for the final kill? How do you feel when you face Big Joel for the final ball and your blood chills? How do you feel... When a cover drive sees a run inside, you run like hell. How do you feel when you beat the ball stretched out on the field? How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel like a Tillese. I feel like a Tillese. I feel like a Tillese or two. Jeff, I've, I haven't seen that before. Uh, that is that is art. I've joked in the past that Australian culture peaks with the club film. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to amend that yep. uh, to this. This is right up there. In the, it would have been around the same era. There are so many bits, right? Mm. But first of all, how much fun it would have been to have filmed that? Well, for, for people who couldn't see it because you've only heard it, that's fully enacted. They've, they've got mm. the West Indies out there on the fields and they've, they've reenacted the game um, and Whitney's done the run for three and dived in this big scorpion. He's like that Colombian goalkeeper doing the scorpion kick as he slides in for his third run and then the crowd all gets involved with the chant. I mean, it's It's, it's worth it's watching it on YouTube. For, Jeff, drop it into the show notes, I reckon, because the, 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 they're wearing New South Wales kit as well, not Australian kit. He's batting with Steve Ricks and they're updating the scoreboard uh, as well. It's, it, that's, that's, um, that's made with love and it, it's watched with love as well. That's, um, mm -hmm. I'm so glad this has had, a, had an excuse to jump into our episode this week. Uh, so, right, so, okay, <laughs> well, you've landed who it is. This is clearly Sebastian Tarek. Also, haven't, haven't they just stolen up there Kazali with that song? Like yeah. the first bit? Yeah, yeah. It's the same cadence, And then they just go, da-da, instead of... Yeah, the, yeah they, they, they just changed the last note at the end of the second phrase. So just, just rip that one off, no worries there. So he didn't do the Reshers ad as far as I can tell, but maybe he did a different one. Maybe he was on a poster, I don't know. But how do I? How can I find a link for Mike Whitney to the Reshers beer? What is Mike Whitney up to these days after he retired from TV what, a couple of years ago? He's still... He's still the boss of Randwick Petersham Cricket Club, yes, isn't he? Yes, he is. And, uh, and, and they, at least once in 1992-3, I think it was, and maybe some other times as well, they won a Sydney grade cricket limited overs competition that was called the Reshers Cup. 
And there you have it. There is a link from Mike Whitney. 313, back to Resch's, back to Edmund Resch, the brewer to the Governor-General, and linking it all the way back to the gold rush, when that famous and fabulous German-Australian arrived. That, that's one of those our friends over at the Great Cricketer would have done a great job with as well, given their, their background in, in that competition. And uh, and the the interview they did with Mike Whitney about great cricket a couple of years ago is an absolute belter. So uh, I can recommend, I don't know what it was, might have been three or four, five years ago now, but um, they had him on as a guest and he really kind of lived up to his uh, reputation as a great storyteller. And yes, the, uh, the, the, the bit in this YouTube commercial, you can understand why he went on to be highly sought after for you know, working as a television host, Who Dares Wins and Gladiators, which is making a comeback, by the way. I've seen Gladiators is uh, making a yeah. comeback over here at least. So maybe he'll have another life on TV as that as that referee role that he played there. If uh, if you eat this spider, I'll give you 50 bucks. Yep. That was, it was, it was good times, good times. Yeah, um, simpler times. The, maybe the scorpion was one of the Gladiators. There was definitely, there was Hammer, wasn't there? And there was like Vulcan or something. Delta. Anyway, Delta. Delta, not Delta Goodrum. Sebastian Tarek, that is the, my answer for your 313. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. If you want to play Nerd Pledge, go to patreon.com slash the final word and you can help us keep making this show. What else has been going on, Adam? So the Australia-Afghanistan story is just uh, completely vanished. I mean, I haven't been able to get to a single pre-match press conference during this tour because I've been travelling and all the rest of it, so I haven't been able to put in any of those questions to anybody about what happened earlier in the year and, and how much the coaching staff and players were involved in the decision to boycott, to cancel that bilateral series. and um, So there haven't been any questions put to them about the justification for playing Afghanistan in the World Cup. I'm sure they have an answer packaged up and ready to go if that had happened. They've got Glenn Maxwell back and Mitchell Marsh back. Mitch Marsh lost his granddad, Ross, which is why he went home for a few days to be with family and, and Maxwell's recovered from the head knock. I think Maxwell was fine. He said he was fine to go, really. He was indicating he was good to go for the England game, but the protocol said he had to sit it out. So, mm. But he'll be back for the second last match against Afghanistan and the last one against Bangladesh. Didn't hugely appreciate some of the subtle sledges of Maxwell through that. I mean, the guy ended up with a head injury and seemingly all anyone wanted to do was was um, was try and find uh, a reason for why he fell off. I mean, they explained it at the time that they were all – I mean, again, we're not there, but it, it, it felt like there was a – a dedicated effort to get the boots in there when I would have thought, and I, someone else made this point on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, man has head injury probably should be something that is more of interest and more of the concern in, in a situation like that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, there's, there's something that sort of happens when, 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 you can, when you can point at it and say that it's happened in a funny or a weird way, then people don't treat it seriously. And yeah. We've probably done the same thing at, at times as well. So you go, oh, how did that happen? And, yeah, and the implication from various people was definitely that he must have been pissed, which, I mean, they're in Gujarat. It's a dry state. You can't get a beer. Like you, you can buy a very small amount of alcohol at hotels if you do a bunch of paperwork, but you can't carry it around. So this happened on the golf course. You can't take drinks around the hotels they they make you have it in your room like it's a weird shameful secret so i don't think they were drinking as far as i know or, or you know if, if and they would have found him they, 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 i mean it, had maxwell yeah had he got had he got um fallen off the back of a golf cart because he was playing the fool they would have um there would have been a suspension or a fine he would have gone through an internal process and we would have learned about that because they don't bother trying to keep that stuff quiet because it gets out one of the journos who works on the newsbeat finds and it's a much bigger story right so yeah it doesn't quite add up there but um anyway that's um that's a whole other thing the yeah the, the afghanistan game i know that you and i've spoken about this at length and our listeners probably don't want us to go on about it again but uh i had reason to go back and listen to the afghanistan episode during the week for something and we've pretty much got it spot on in January. So as significant as that was, and we went through the complexity of it at the time, our position was that, well, it'll mean nothing if they choose to play Afghanistan at the World Cup and just ignore it as they did the previous year. And, and I got a little bit of blowback saying, well, they played them in the World Cup last year. Of course, they'll play them in the World Cup this year. This uh, decision to not play Afghanistan happened between times. It was in January of this year and the T20 World Cup game was in November of 2022. So, so they, they, they made an extra decision at that point. And we were cynical because it was an easy win for them at a time when the players would never have wanted to have played a bilateral three-match series. Australia had wrapped up their spot in the World Cup. Well, they played one against India instead. <laughs> effects right but but also it was the the ipl 
the, the scheduling crunch that was always going to be there with the IPL and their other commitments in India, the the three format series they played against them just before that. So we, yeah, it, it's hardly surprising this was an easy win for them from a PR perspective at the time. And the other side of this is that, well, it's a bilateral, uh, sorry, right, it's a multilateral World Cup, as they all are. It's not just CA's position to pick and choose who they'll play. Okay, right, yeah, but it's not as though global events haven't been used for boycotts and for protests before. And I'm not saying they should pull the pin on the Afghanistan game. My, my point is more that they took advantage of the situation back in January, knowing they had a World Cup ahead, knowing this could happen, and they have played this in such a way that now nobody is talking about it. You could argue they've played it perfectly. They got their win in January and they probably did it for the right reasons, but um, some reasons of convenience were underneath the surface. And now when it's far from convenient to uh, to skip a game against Afghanistan, you can guarantee this will not even be a second thought this week. And we are right, I think, to at least be cynical. I know there's another part of this, Jeff, where you could say, and reasonably, that CA are the only organisation who have taken this kind of stance. We've not seen other countries uh, refuse to play Afghanistan in, in bilateral cricket as yet. And um, and the awareness campaign that was ran by CA, and by campaign, I mean the, the media interviews that Nick Hockley did and so on, around that are broadly a good thing, sure. I don't dispute any of that. And this isn't like a game of gotcha. It's where is the moral line really being drawn here? Is it being drawn for the reasons that were stated or is it being drawn for reasons of convenience? And I think that there's a there's a blur here right now. The narrative around Afghanistan as well is, is just relentlessly upbeat over here. It's all about the good media story. Oh, here they are, the plucky little Afghans, you know, the, oh, look at where they've come from. What a wonderful story. And yes, and it is. And as, we, as we've talked about, there is the part of it that is a wonderful story. And there's the part of it that's an absolutely heinous story, which is that yeah. half of their country can't participate in public life at all, much less play sport. And that that very explicitly in black and white contradicts the, the requirements uh, that are levied on every country that's a member of the ICC. You have to have a women's program. Afghanistan don't. And the, the other member countries are pretending it's not a problem. And Australia is basically saying, well, as one of the members, we have to abide by, by what the other members are doing. You know, that, that will be their answer if it's put yep. to them, I'm sure. Um, we, we don't have the, the right to pick and choose. But they did pick and choose in 1996 yep. when they refused to go to Colombo to play Sri Lanka, um, just as New Zealand picked and chose not to go to Kenya and England picked and chose not to go to Zimbabwe in 2003 to play them in, in those World Cups. So it can happen, it has happened, and they could forfeit that game and still qualify for the semis comfortably by beating Bangladesh. So it's not like it's an absolute critical game. They could do it. They're not going to do it. Um, there's There's been no... Well, we would know by now if that were going to happen, and it isn't. Hashbatullah Shahidi, the, the captain of Afghanistan, spoke so powerfully when they, they won on Friday. Um, their fourth win out of their last five games, third on the trot, all against full member nations, when he explained that that wasn't, that wasn't a full member win, that was Holland they beat on Friday, wasn't it? Nevertheless, that was a, an important win in that sequence to keep the momentum going and keep them within touching distance of the top four. Uh, and he yeah, dedicated the victory to all the Afghanistan refugees who've been displaced and the, the word he used was suffering that they continue to go through. It, it would be the easy option for Hashmatullah to not talk about this, to keep his bat and pad close together because I can only imagine that that would increase the risks for he and his family who are, well, his family, he must have some family members who are still in Afghanistan and him raising awareness to the suffering that's a consequence of the new regime a couple of years ago. That's, that's statesman-like stuff, you know, um, putting your own interests to one side in the interest of using your platform, uh, a, a megaphone, if you like, to talk about what is going on for the, the, the broader population. So good on him for that. And this has never been about the players, right? Never been about the, the team that represents Afghanistan at the moment. Um, and the great story of the last 20 years, it's about the standards that are expected of four members that you've explained before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are the other bits and pieces of this, like the team still still playing under the old Afghan flag yep. and singing the old anthem and not recognising the Taliban as a government. But the so the word that I've picked up from over here is that the Taliban officials were explicitly involved with picking this squad um, and mm. that they were they they vetted and approved the players who, who were selected um, in the squad and and rejected some other players. So I don't know what the reasons were for that and I sort of don't have locked down intel on that but that's the kind of information that I've been picking up over here. 
The other global event that happened this week, Jeff, is the uh, the, the Asia qualifier for the T20 World Cup. So just to recap here, because I get that's a bit complicated, there's always a qualifier seemingly going on somewhere. The T20 World Cup in the Caribbean and America in June, July 2024 expands to 20 teams. 20 teams in this economy? <laughs> so that that's the, the West Indies men and the, and the USA qualify automatically as the host nations. Then the top eight from last year's World Cup in Australia, so Australia, England, India, Netherlands, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa, Sri Lanka. The next two teams get in on rankings. That's Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Then we get into the regional qualification process. Two went through from Europe in July this year, Ireland and Scotland. One from East Asia, uh, that was Papua New Guinea. One from the Americas, which was Canada. Great to have them back in a World Cup. Two African spots, which will be determined later this month in Namibia, which left two spots out of the Asia group, as it's defined. And that regional final was held in Nepal and they had their final game of it. Uh, on Sunday. But the key thing here is making the top two. Yeah, of course, winning the thing's important, but top two gets you into the World Cup. The groups were Oman, Nepal, Malaysia, Singapore in Group 1 and Group 2 or Group B was the UAE, who we saw do quite a good job last year down at Cadinia Park, Jeff. Bahrain, Hong Kong, who made the World Cup in, in 2016 and Q8. And um, uh, yeah, and the semi-final qualification was what it was all about because they became one-off matches, right? You know, the semi-final of this tournament was a a one-off World Cup qualifier. Now, Bahrain were beaten by Oman and Nepal, the hosts who, as I said, who've had a great run in recent times, but had to beat the UAE to get through. Now, um, the UAE, because they, yeah, because of the way it broke down in the group stage, you would have thought, I reckon, and maybe I'm reading this incorrectly, but the UAE and Nepal would have been the number one seed, the number two seed, but instead they're on the same side of the draw for the semis. Only one could get through. Nepal beat the UAE, so they won't be there next year. And because Oman beat Nepal, they went through and um, finished top. And it means that it'll be Oman and Nepal who were there next year. And in the final yesterday, Nepal won in a super over. So I know there have been a lot of frustrations expressed around the format here. I know that this wasn't ran as efficiently as it might have been. Bertus de Jong on Twitter went through all of that this week, and I can recommend uh, reading his thread on all of this. But I, I think the positive here, Jeff, is that these regional qualifiers have a lot more to them uh, when there are uh, more teams able to to make the major competition, as will be the case next year. And it's, it's good that there will be that breadth. It'll be early on in the competition. You know, the, most of those teams will be unlikely to advance beyond the early stages, but there will be the opportunity and and hopefully the kind of format where a little early upset yeah. actually gives a team a chance to you know to to, to move on a stage. So, and, and seeing the USA involved will be good. Seeing Canada involved will be good. Um, I don't imagine they'll be in the same bit of the draw, but it would be fun if they were, given that the very, very first international cricket match ever played was USA versus Canada. Yeah, I mean, like, Namibia knocked off Sri Lanka last year, did they not, at the World Cup down in Geelong? I think that's that's what happened. At, at least I, I remember it that way, which means it could have happened. Namibia, who made it through to the um, the Super 12s of the, the previous tournament in 2021, yeah. they've been a really great story of a side well, going all, up the rankings. All of the supposed bigger teams, so West Indies in Zimbabwe and, and um, Sri Lanka all lost games to lower ranked teams in that yeah. stage, didn't they? Yeah, and this is the you know this is the the form of the game where you see more upsets. So expanding that comp to twenty, I think it's four groups of five. I think from memory, so they'll all play a minimum of four games at that tournament. And yeah, we'll keep an eye on what happens in Namibia, where the Africa qualifiers are taking place. I think it's the last weekend of November, so a few weekends from now. Another World Cup. Can't wait. This one will finish at the end of November and then we'll have another one starting in <laughs> June. And then there'll be another one. There's a women's one in uh, October, isn't there? Next year as well. Yep, Bangladesh. Um, or, or is that the year after? No, no, next year. Yeah, Bangladesh. Yep. That's right. Uh, yeah. Around and around and around it goes. All right, it's uh, time for a quick break and then we've got a few more bits to go through before the end. Hi, I'm Ebony Rainford-Brent and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. It is still The Final Word. A couple of bits to look at before we finish up for the day. Our Lord's Taverner's Final Word page is up, so if you want to get involved with the work the Tavs are doing, you can sign up as a Final Word member, like as a a branded affiliate member of The Final Word. You can wear your colours with pride and we're getting together our big 
final word contingent for the Edinburgh Marathon next year, which is growing by the day. It is. So, yeah, we haven't quite – I don't think we've quite got the, the membership category up yet. But what we do have uh, is a webpage, which is nice, lordstaverners.org forward slash the dash final dash word. On there, you can sign up to do the run, uh, the Edinburgh Marathon, Half Marathon, 10K, etc. which is great. Two more runners of uh, – put their name down in the last 24 hours or so. Anthony Noll and Chris Holt, so great to have them part of the team, which is up to about 26, 27, uh, something along those lines. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep uh, promoting that on social media. But, yeah, no better time to sign up and be part of what's going to be a great event on the 25th and 26th of May next year in Edinburgh. If we get enough, if we have that many people, surely they could just run the marathon while carrying me in a sedan chair. Surely that's a better option than than trying to actually make me run somewhere. I know last week when we mentioned that you might be um, you might be urging Matt Blacker on to try and break a three hour marathon. He acknowledged that on our Discord channel that he'd heard that and he's not against it. So we'll see. The other thing that happened in Lord's Tav's world this week is Alfie Pyle is a lovely, lovely young man. He he um, started his story in cricket partly through the Super Ones, and he now coaches in the Super Ones. And he's been picked for the, the Tri-Series for England uh, in um, intellectual disability cricket uh, later this year in South Africa, where Australia are playing as well. I've, um, I've interviewed Alfie before. He's a beautiful man and um, his story is a belter. And it's a tab story. So the fact that the tabs have been a big part of his development in having access to the game, which may otherwise not have been the case. And now that he's coaching and giving something back to the program and about to represent England, the whole thing's splendid. So um, look up Alfie Pyle and... Um, if you want to learn more about the Taverners, we've now got the link in the show notes that sends you to the page that we have. Sign up to their mailing list and, yeah, why not um, raise some money with the run? You've got plenty of time. Even if you've never ran before, the 10K is very achievable, very, very achievable. Matt Jones, who I saw on Saturday, um, told me that he'd never done any running in his life and he did the um, the 10K uh, this year and he's going to do the half marathon next year. So the the um, the, the story is there in Matt and others who've, um, who've decided to uh, you know, be part of this for the tabs. The trick is you just imagine that something's chasing you. You just just remember like the Black Mirror robot dog episode <laughs> and just 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 picture that one of them's after you. Um, and you've got to keep moving. There's nothing for it. You just got to you've got or or just come to Edinburgh and hang out and don't run and do other things and 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 help us with the fundraising instead. All of those things are possible. Um, Sheffield Shield action. We're into it just Adam, but we've we've just started around, so there's probably not much point looking at the games in any depth. But I wanted to flag that um, not Lion Nathan, the brewing company, but Nathan Lyon, the off spinner, is back. He he's he's playing, he's bowling, not only is he bowling, but bowled beautifully for New South Wales, who who might, whisper it, they might actually be a chance to win a game here, having lost, what, 15 on the trot or been winless 15 in a row. Um, but Nathan Lyons back and took a couple. Two for 18 from 18 with his figures coming on first change. I saw a picture of the pitch at the SCG, their first trip of the year before the game, and it looked quite friendly for the quicks. And yeah, so it proved the Whackers were bowled out for 140. I'm not sure how New South Wales are going in reply, other than I know that Joel Paris got the first couple for WA, and I feel like I'm on the bandwagon for Midnight Inn uh, to, to be the replacement for Mitchell Stark in, in the fullness of time. Um, yeah, Victoria sent Tassie in, who went on to make 453 at the Juno. Charlie Joachim, after runs last week, made 148. Should have asked Tom Latham whether that was a yeah, good idea or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And um, Queensland, South Australia also started today. So we'll, we'll do more on that. As you say, Jeff, I think we've got two more rounds of the Sheffield Shield before they break for the Big Bash and so on. We'll also do a big recap of the, the Women's Big Bash League next week where kind of in the middle of the group stage and it's impossible to stay on top of every game because they do a full um, double round robin, 14 games and so on. But we'll um, we'll take stock and, uh, and devote 10 minutes to um, the main storylines coming out of that this time next week. I will note that Elise Perry took five for, was it 22 thereabouts um, in, in another ridiculous performance after basically not being a bowler for the last three or four years. Um, it was a hypercore stat that I think she's the only player to have a five for and a hundred in all th- formats across in women's cricket. So test tons, test five for ODIs and T20s. She's done everything in all of them. But yeah, we'll, we'll come back to some of that next week. And uh, a little bit on Ireland, who you mentioned in the context of qualifying for that uh, T20 World Cup next year. Paul Sterling 
will be doing the job, which will be fun. So Andy Balburney, we did that long interview with him a few months ago when he was still captain in all formats. He has quit as white ball captain over the summer when they they went badly at those World Cup qualifiers where the Dutch were able to sneak through mm. um, and, and Ireland would have... I mean, Ireland were never really in, in the hunt to qualify. They lost... They lost to Oman, didn't they? Um, that yeah. was one of the one of the games that Law Tucker flagged when chatting with us. That there's no point going out there and beating the big teams, you know, the full member teams, if you're going to lose to your peers, um, and that's exactly what they did. So you know, Sterlo, who's who's the big burly redhead who likes bashing the ball over deep mid wicket, um, and spent so long at Middlesex being being a favourite of that particular club, and and he's such a passionate Irishman that he gave up his county career at Middlesex in order to play for Ireland. He's um, he's going to be leading them, uh, which seems like the logical appointment. Yeah, it's a great appointment. Like he's 33 now and he's such a senior member of that, you know, white ball circuit land and, and so on. But uh, yeah, as you say, he gave up uh, a county career in order to be, you know, an Ireland cricketer, which couldn't have been easy because of the, the relative strength and buying power and, you know, purchasing power and the flexibility he would have had playing with Middlesex. But he chose Ireland and, um, yeah, it stands to reason that he succeeds Balberni, who did a good job, but um, is now just going to focus on the test captaincy and hopefully that provides him with opportunities to, to lead them in that format again next year. But um, it does according to the Future Tours program. We'll see whether that plays out um, in reality. But, yeah, Balberni um, is now a member of the ranks again. He was the acting captain, Sterling, um, in England uh, when they played those one days here um, um, back in September. So he's, he's uh, not brand new to the role, but now full-time in it. And, yeah, wish him all the best. I think that's it. I think that brings us to the end of a show. We are making a lot of shows, so maybe it's time we stop talking on this one, the final word, season 15 episode, whatever it was, eight maybe. Who, who keeps track of these things? Some people do. There's a big spreadsheet out there with, with all of the episodes in it. We are having fun for the most part. Um, we've, we're close to the end of the World Cup and then there'll be sort of three weeks or so of, of a slight breathing in and breathing out before we get into the Australian Test summer. Thanks to all of the nerd listeners who've been doing the combat listening which means they have to listen to every episode before another episode comes out there are still some people alive in that competition over the course of the world cup somehow god knows but they are still doing it there are about a dozen or so out of the 30 or 40 who started in that competition and they're still at it um and to everybody else who's hanging out in uh, on the discord chat page and having a good time if you join up on the patreon you can be part of that I waded into the Nerdageddon waters this morning, uh, which is where the combat listening is taking place. And it seems my um, uh, <laughs> my having dropped in that 99 episode uh, has put a cat amongst the pigeons, which is a good thing. It was partly designed to put a cat amongst the pigeons. They, they've Those who are in combat listening have worked out our episode dropping rhythm now. So we, we need to stay at least half a step ahead. And we've got that comparative advantage being the ones who decide when episodes go out. So, uh, And hopefully those 99 eps are fun too. The, the interviews that will come out starting Friday are really good. They're really strong. So that'll take you back to that World Cup 99 in amongst the, the dailies and the and the story times and the, and the weeklies and all the rest. Yep, plenty more to come. Great to have your company, whether you are newly arrived to the show or whether you've been with us for years. Um, we, we love and value and acknowledge each of you equally. We are all a beautiful, shining star in the night tapestry. That's it. This has been The Final Word. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins, thanks to Rob Moody for coming on the show and uh, we will see you very, very soon. Save Rob Alinda. Hashtag. I had to go about it.